Welcome y'all to the Black Hoof Saloon, a Wild West Exodus podcast. Mosey on up to the bar and get yourself a bottle of fire water or a glass of sarsaparilla and listen to some good old yarns about adventures of law dogs, outlaws, and weird creatures. So set a spell, water your ride or your rider, and get ready to tune up your posses. This is the Black Hoof Saloon. Alright, howdy, 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 city slickers, and welcome back to the Black Hoof Saloon. This is Eric here, and I am joined, as always, with Brian, and guess what? Tom is back. Say howdy, guys. Hey. Howdy, guys. <laughs> hey. <laughs> that was a good one, Tom. <laughs> so, as Tom was just saying a little bit ago, he said this daylight savings is is killing him. <laughs> so I think that's about all he can muster for a, a hello. <laughs> yeah, come on. It's like 3 in the morning here or something. <laughs> right. so he may not be on mute. He may just start snoring. <laughs> but it's, it's okay. It's all good. <laughs> it's not because you guys are boring. It's just because it's late. <laughs> It's late and we're all getting old. <laughs> so, Tom, I was going to throw out at you, uh, I, I saw a little bit of conversation on the Dark Council on Facebook about you're kind of beating the banner for PAX Unplugged coming up uh, fairly soon, end of this month, right? Uh, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's the first weekend of December, but it's in a month. Yeah. It's... Uh, December 6th-ish that weekend. I have to go look up the exact dates. Um, but, yeah, really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, it's the, the local con for me down in Philadelphia. So we got to get some people out there. Uh, there's no official events on tap. Uh, I am waiting for something. I, I'm part of the PAX Unplugged group on Facebook. And a couple months ago, they had put out a call for people that want to run miniatures stuff. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had asked about doing an Exodus event or anything, but, you know, something casual. And they said what is going to happen is on the PAX app, there's going to be a looking for group uh, subsection. And within that, you can actually reserve tables, unlike last year where we were just sort of, you know, we, we were hoping to get a free play table and there just were none. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be space down in the miniatures gaming area uh, where you can actually reserve tables ahead of time okay. uh, and put together groups on the PAX app. Okay. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to throw a bunch of terrain in the car and hopefully get some close parking. Uh, it's a little expensive to park, to get the good parking. Yeah. It's like 35 bucks a day. That was a parking uh, garage, wasn't it? going to be a few blocks away. Okay, okay. Well, that's yeah, good. Yeah, there's there's one right across the street. Because so. I remember last year when me and you were walking around looking to see if there was anything, and that place was just packed. And I mean, even downstairs, we, we did see some tables, but they looked like they were tables that were used for tournaments or tournaments that were coming up so it was it was a little odd yeah it, it, it's a strange way they run this con uh you actually have to if you want to do something official you have to actually uh apply to be an enforcer 
and work directly for the so you can't go in as like a war cradle representative or anything like that and run an event you actually have to go in and uh, apply to be an enforcer which leaves obligated to do some other stuff that i really don't want to have to do as far as like set up and you know you can kind of be reassigned wherever they need you yeah um so i really wasn't i didn't want to do that but once I found out that they had this looking for group kind of a thing, you know, I figured between that, between uh, going up and helping out at the booth, uh, there's also that are going to be at the at the booth. Uh, the new card game that's coming out, the new World War II card oh, yeah. game that they have coming out, okay, it's going to be demoed at PAX. So I'd spoken a little bit to uh, people over at War Cradle, and I may get there early and get taught how to play that and start demoing that for people. So oh, cool. uh, I'll be floating around the booth or, you know, looking for some open space uh, yeah. for us to get some games in. Do you know, do you know offhand if they're going to have uh, like a demo version of what I know you're excited for uh, Bill and Ted there? There will not be a demo version of Bill and Ted. Oh, uh, you're, you're probably um, so sad. <laughs> I have some inside information on uh, when that will be available, at least on a demo uh, basis. I'm not at liberty to share that. Okay. Uh, so uh, <laughs> I, I asked uh, over the – I was bugging uh, – I was bugging Stuart about it. I was like, I was like, come on. What is this? Where is this? I want to see rules. I want to see pictures. I want to. He's like, all right, settle down. <laughs> so he gave gave me a little bit of of an idea of what their plans are. But in case they don't come to fruition uh, in the timeline as expected, I cannot divulge those secrets. <laughs> it's redacted then. <laughs> so I saw exactly. a, I saw an announcement about that that game. I think they've already went public with where and when. They may have. Um, I'm not sure. I, I I thought I saw something. I don't want to say just in case I I've mistakenly yeah. read what they said, but it, it sounded like they were they've they they are going forward with a demo in at some. Uh, well, come on, uh, Brian. Uh, you you uh, could tell you could tell me and Tom. I'll just edit it out. You know. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, if you saw it in print. It, must be it must be fair. So it looked like the, um, they announced it's going to be in a one of the upcoming. Um, they got a toy fair coming uh, UK, up, I think. Like an upcoming UK uh, event. Yes. January. Yes, there is an upcoming of uh, event coming up. It's like a toy uh, yes. event, but that's really it was for a Toy Expo, and they said something yes. else it being there. But that is actually more of a vendor um, event. That's not really a Con player us. event, and it's not going to be available. Exactly. It's not really there to be sold to the consuming public. Not that sold, is, but that, like demoed, I think. What it yes. It, it's supposed to be showed off to vendors, basically, to you know potential um, sales outlets. Shoot, I'm looking right now. <laughs> so yes, I I did see that announcement. You know, obviously I was like, "Yay, Bill and Ted!" <laughs> Actually commented. I think I'm the only comment on that post because I was like, "Yay!" <laughs> so here's here's my prediction, um, Brian. So when this game 
does come out, I see I see Tom dressing as his favorite Bill or Ted character. <laughs> and you will be first in line to buy the game. So many to choose from. <laughs> so but, yeah, demo. but it it basically they're advertising that game so but I'm not sure what that's gonna mean. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure exactly what that what how or how ready to go it's gonna be by then. What, did did it say what time what, that thing was? Yeah, I can't find it, Brian. What's it say for that? Uh twenty first to the twenty third, January twenty twenty. Olympia, London. Oh, there it is. I see it. Toy Fair. So in January. Okay. It's the last thing they posted on World Cradle Studios. Right. Facebook group. Okay. So yes, I that that is not the uh, official date or in time that it will be available. Uh, like I said, that's more of a sales outlet type convention. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to showcase it there to the to the consumer. Like, uh, not. I guess it's a toy fair, so. They're showing it off to the other vendors and distributors yes. and yeah, stores that exactly. would carry it. And Las Vegas, uh, like Gamma, yeah, like Gamma miniature too. Similar, yep. So you know, I, th- I think that's um, you know, I-, I think there's also a chance that that game is going to be a little more uh, mainstream than some other miniatures games and stuff. I think you know, because it's going to be a self-contained game. I wouldn't be surprised if that thing. Uh, if it catches on a little bit, and because of the licensing on it, I wouldn't be shocked if that started showing up in you know Barnes and Noble or you know I don't know about Target or anything like that. But some of those more mass uh, market retail, uh, I would yeah, not be completely su- yeah. I I wouldn't be completely surprised to see that show up somewhere like that, as opposed to just in a hobby shop. Yeah. So. But Bill is not the one that I was told, so I'm going to just keep going. I know something you don't know. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm sure you can make some educated guesses. Yeah. Because there, there's a few big things happening not all that long after that toy fair. Well, yeah, I think um, – and we've talked about this before that you know, going into 2020 – is going to be like a really big year for War Cradle. I mean, they've have so many different games that they've been working on for a while now that are just on that cusp of coming out. That when we get into that new year, I think we're everybody that's a War Cradle fanboy is going to be pretty happy with all the releases and stuff that they got they've had in the works for now. Can you see what's on the screen? Uh, a big white screen. With maybe okay. a, a little so bit of blue. See how it's a message, and this is how long it is. <laughs> He's teasing us. It's just, it's just a glowing white screen. He's like, look how, look how much I can move my finger up and down this glowing yeah. white screen. Hmm. But that's all redacted conjecture. Redacted, yeah. redacted. All right, what's the time? Okay. <laughs> right. Nineteen <laughs> twenty. Okay. That I know exactly what to cut out. All right. So, do you guys see any other interesting conversation on Dark Council? Um, I did see that War Cradle announced that they are officially going to be at Adepticon. Oh, I didn't even know that that was not official. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think I saw it. Sam posted something like that. Yeah. Well. Yeah, Sam mentioned it a, a few months ago that they, they were they were doing it. They just did. The issue was what events and stuff. It, maybe that's what it was. It, it was, was the not, the tournament thing not squared away. Well, they just uh, announced. They have said that they will be doing the Gunslinger. Yeah. Masters. So at least that one event's going to be live when everyone starts pre or registering for Dipcon. Yeah, and that that uh, should be outside of that beginning of December, if I remember right. Yeah, was that was that gonna be the bigger one, the fifteen hundred point one, or did they not say? I, I don't know. The new um, the new Gunslinger League packet came out in the Warhost group. It hasn't gone public, I don't believe, but and it looks like they may be bringing the the fifteen hundred down. Yeah. Okay, then. Yeah, so I think I, I, you know, a couple of weeks ago we did a fifteen hundred game and it's just like holy cow with these new points now you can get a lot of models on that board all right so maybe it's good that they're backing down those numbers then yeah yeah i don't know though if there's backing down the number they did readjust things i think they've been paying attention to how many times these new players are like so what's the standard yeah and i think just they they've been paying attention and a lot of people have adjusted their their new standard at to around 1200 you know right well and that's what's one of the things that war cradle does well is they pay attention right so i think that that's that's probably going to be pretty accurate it's just they they ratchet down just a little bit but it's still i think the changes for 1.09 are still great because you can do more right now your policy boxes are all underneath standard games and you can bring all your buddy, all your models, really, from your posse box, and that's huge because there were a lot of posse boxes you couldn't do that with. Yeah, yeah, you it know, was it was hard to fill that that posse day, out. Colonel investigations, you just couldn't bring them all. You always had to had to bench a few of your models to make it work. So, yeah, I think our our, like our recent games, we've been. Uh, I mean, we usually generally play about thousand points. And it seemed okay, and now with the points adjustment, it it feels like we're playing bigger games again. So we, I think, some of the players have I've seen them playing games that are under a thousand now, just to kind of speed them up. You got too many models to activate and stuff on there; it makes those turns kind of drag out. But it does give you the option to bring all your toys, which is like you said, it's good. I wouldn't know. I haven't played a game since points adjustments. I'm basically going to PAX and being like, hey, guys, let's play some games so you can teach me how to play this freaking game again. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I thought you set up a table that you can play yourself and kick your own ass. I kick my own ass every day in life. I don't need to kick my own ass in games. (laughs) He's scared. <laughs> He's scared. <laughs> I am afraid. What if I lose? I'll never be able to face myself. <laughs> right. So, hey, did you guys see they started uh, sending out some of the Warhood? Yep, I got my pen. Yeah? What about you, Eric? Oh. Mine's in here. Yeah, little tiny pin and came in a big old box like this. 
Yeah, it did. It came in a huge box. I was like, what the heck? Like, what kind of prizes did I get? I know. I got excited when <laughs> I saw that big thing. Color shirt. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, waiting on the shirt now. Yeah, I saw a bunch of people were getting shirts and hats and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, the hats. Uh, pretty the, cool stuff. The hats were way up there on points that I'm not close to that yet. I think I just made the cut for the shirt. Well, if you're doing demos at PAX, Tom, you can get some rack up some points there. Yeah, I'll get a few. I'll, I'll get a few. I don't know if to actually you know qualify for anything, but at, at least I can say I'm not just sitting on my ass anymore. Yeah, which I probably <laughs> card game. But... <laughs> yeah, but you'll get credit for sitting on your ass. <laughs> So, yeah, when I talked to Sam about that, I was like, well, I can go there. I don't feel comfortable demoing Exodus anymore, but I'm a great cheerleader. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, you know, I said if, if with the card game, though, I, if I could pick that up quick, I'll, I'd be happy to demo that. I've been looking forward to something like that uh, for a long time. So uh, I'm a little kind of excited about that. I like card games, so... Uh, and I like kind of off-the-beaten-path card games a little bit. I, I never was a Magic player or anything, but I've always played a bunch of other uh, smaller niche card games. So looking forward to that. Hopefully it's good. Don't don't know much about it. They won't release rules early or anything. So yeah. I, I'll find out the, the day of. Hmm. Well, all right, guys. Why don't you say we wrap up our banter and uh, we move into our first segment today. Let's. What was that? Let's. Let's. <laughs> That's my for you to do. Uh, what was it? The was it Bob the Builder you used, you imitated before? I think that was Brian who was <laughs> Bob the Builder. Um, I just called Bob him out the on. Builder. <laughs> so, no, I think that was Handy Manny. You were pulling out Handy Manny. I'm like, Handy Manny? That's the ripoff of Bob the Builder. <laughs> the knockoff. He's a, the, the cheap knockoff. I doubt like, it was Come cheap. on, tools. Come with Fez me, tools. It was, the, it was Fez the 70s show. <laughs> is, is he the one who did the voice? Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. It was kind of funny. So my... My kids were watching it, and all of a sudden I'm like, dude, that's Fez. <laughs> My wife. He's like, come on, screwdriver. Get in there and turn that screw. You're like, all right, Handy Manny. Yeah, I was watching some TV series on Netflix that was uh, uh, like an adaptation of that Dust Till Dawn movie, and he's in it. And he is like an SOB in that which is weird to see him because I'm like, hey, it's Fez. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not the Fez that I know. Wow. Was that the one with Michael Pena, Pena in it? Oh. As, as the, was like the, the cop, the sheriff's deputy or something? I think so. I, I think I saw the first, the first episode or two of that. It wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. <laughs> because of... I mean, I watched the first season, and I think they did three seasons, and I'm just like, after the first one, I was like, yeah, I think I've seen enough. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that way after the first couple of episodes, but I was like, oh, Michael Pena. I like him. No, I mean, he was also in Door of the Explorer. 
the the, the movie, movie that just came out the, the, the live action movie ah. which was hilarious that's what i heard <laughs> i heard it actually had some stuff in there for adults so uh, absolutely it, it was pretty funny you know i took my seven-year-old to go see it and i i walked out of there and she was like she's like that movie wasn't right they didn't do swiper right and i was like i was like all right but you missed all the but you missed all the funny things so, <laughs> so what did they do with swiper was he the the fox or oh they, they did him really well but but he was the fox but they only said swiper no swiping once instead of three times to make him stop. Oh. She was oh. not appreciative of that <laughs> missing detail. Like, all right, <laughs> let it go. Uh, she was, it had to be specific. It was. You got to say it three times, otherwise he takes your stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, all right, it's okay. That's good. <laughs> Shattered her little world. <laughs> I did. There's like no way. All right, let's go ahead and start our smoke wagon showdown. Go ahead, skin it. Skin that smoke wagon and see what happens. Listen, mister, I'm, I'm getting awful tired of your... I'm getting tired of your gas. Now jerk that pistol and go to work. <clears throat> I said throw down, boy. All right, guys, we're back again for a, another fantastic, fun-filled smoke wagon showdown. And this one kind of morphed from a listener suggestion. Um, we had a listener that messaged us and said that they would love to hear us babble about um actually edison versus tesla in our showdown and you know we kind of talked about it actually a little bit today while in in theory that would be a really cool matchup you know you think of historically edison and tesla but the problem that we came up with is that uh tesla's legendary and edison is actually just a regular old joe and i think it was you tom that said his big old mech would just squish him <laughs> yeah yeah when we asked that i was like this doesn't sound right so so that, that's when brian brought up he's like he's like it doesn't sound right because it's not right <laughs> right so there are in the works more than likely uh when tesla gets his posse box we will see him in a non-legendary form, yeah, uh, whatever form that may be. When that occurs, then we will have the smoke wagon for Edison and Tesla's epic showdown. Yeah, two great scientists battling it out. But so anyway, so what would be funny if both posses have sound wave. Yeah. <laughs> you know that would be great if Tesla's box set comes with his own version of Edison's sound sound wave machine, <laughs> and the feud would just continue. <laughs> so anyway, what we decided to do is actually we still wanted to do a Tesla, but and we mentioned this when we first started doing the Smoke Wagon showdowns is. You know, we weren't just going to look at 
the bosses, but we would look at possibly faces and other units in the game. So we decided to actually, you know, we're doing him, let's do another legendary boss, and we decided to go with Eiffel, who's an enlightened legendary boss. So we figured this would be a pretty good matchup. They're, you know, two smart dudes and big, nasty, ugly-looking machines. So <laughs> what what could be worse, uh, you know, this kind of uh, uh, epic duel? So what do you guys want to start with what do you think brian you want to start with uh eiffel because i think we're gonna probably talk I, I think i think i think we need to i think we need to start with a more uh epic intro <laughs> of of the characters okay it's got to be something more like in this corner <laughs> weighing it at 10 bajillion tons Bumping and stomping and crushing his way through his through his opponents with his electric fields smashing all in his way, Nikolai Tesla. Someone else do Eiffel. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Should I put some sound sound bites of clapping and cheering? <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be like ah, <laughs> and the challenge. In his spidery mech of doom, <laughs> the master of construction, Gustav Eiffel. <laughs> you know, so we gotta have something big and epic announcing these guys. They're legends. They're legendary. All I have to say is, Tom, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Everybody's probably listening now. You know. In their cars, kind of crying, laughing. That was good. <laughs> that was that was Tom. That was legendary. <laughs> oh, if only I had time to script that. I'm trying to make this up as I go along. <laughs> All right. So, who do you guys think we should cover? You want to do Eiffel first of the Enlightened? That'll give us more time to spend on Tesla. Then, well, I say we. In as much time as we need on both of them. Right. So we'll start with uh, Eiffel. He was actually the first of the two to, to enter the Wild West Exodus. And he's the, the original skull, uh, artwork was was crazy. You saw it and you were like, holy moly, it, it made you think of Wild West, uh, you know, that movie. Will Smith and yeah. Kevin Klein. Wiki, wiki, yeah, wow. Huge spider. <laughs> yeah. And. And then, then it came out, and it was it was like the details of the spider eyes, and he had the little net launcher in the front, uh, and then he had all these different claws out, out the front of this vaguely tank-looking thing, but it was a spider, right? Yeah. And I love the actual thorax that stuck out over the back of the, uh, you know, his mech, because you would be able to do a lot of the glow effects, you know, in the cylinders and all the different little pipings and stuff that, that feed this, this, this creature he's built. And then, you know, War Cradle redesigned it. And I, I wouldn't, I was kind of curious of what they were going to do to redesign it. And it, it actually is cooler looking. They made the legs a little beefier. Uh, they put on a bigger base. So it yeah. didn't quite look like you were trying, you know, they enlarged you didn't have the, to over the thing. 
Yeah, they enlarged the cockpit a little bit too, so he didn't look like he was so squished in there. Right. Yeah. He, he, he looked like he looked had like... his legs cut off originally. <laughs> yeah, and so now that he sits in there a little better, as if there is room for his lower body. But I mean, really cool. The the, the card even got uh, a new artwork and the the black iron with the uh, brass accents. I mean, really, really. Uh, offset the model really well and uh, haven't painted mine yet but i that was my whole goal was when i did it was going to be black yeah iron and have brass you know as all the different uh you know accents and stuff so it, it looks really cool and then the dark red glowy stuff actually reminds me of the matrix spiders oh yeah yeah i'm getting ready to come cool. plug you in there yeah, those squiddy-looking things. Right. So, so actual game game card now. So, Eiffel he comes on an extra large base instead of the old large base. So, he's he's huge, he's big, and definitely going to take up a, some space on the board. Um, some of his traits: he's got boss, commander, legendary, enlightened, human, male, machine, mounted, and tainted. Uh, Side note, Commander is the Lost World Exodus leader. Oh, yeah. Uh, that allows him to actually lead a detachment in uh, Lost World Exodus games. So that is like a hint for future use. So yeah, he has three fortune, which is pretty much standard for a yeah. lot of big bosses. His cost is 190 And then here's what is really intriguing. For such a big big spider it's got a quickness of seven okay so it's above average speed so he's not like the slow lumbering no mech he is a very agile you know monster monster on the board so of course gustav eiffel is extremely intelligent so he's carrying around a mind of seven he has a aim of six a grit of seven a fight of six and coming at you with a limit of four. That's that's a lot. It's a lot of yeah, stuff just, he can do. Very impressive, right? The, the quick seven is uh, I, I still think like a game changer for a big mech on the on the board. Yeah. Uh, but with the limit of four taken to that account with the quickness of seven, I mean he's moving. Especially if you can uh, throw in a couple of. Uh, you know, fortune to beef up those those into, you know, some focused moves. I oh, mean, yeah. he's, he's moving across the board. So for, for weapons, or let's go to let's go to common rules uh, first. We'll go yeah. weapons. We'll save weapons for that. So Tom, what what do you have the card out? I do. What what common rules does he have? Ah, common rules uh, has tough, large S, trail finder. Durable and agile. Mm. So that's what he has right there. That trail finder <laughs> and agile. That quickness of seven. Oh, he's, right, he's look out! <laughs> he starts right after deployment, and he's gonna make a he make a seven inch move. Yeah, that's even before he gets to start his four limit. He's gonna be on yeah. somebody's um, ass so fast. Right. So he's he's got he's got tough. Under uh, 1.09, no no free rerolls, um, but tough is 
pretty good, and he doesn't doesn't have the danger from the you know the old can't use tough versus Pierce Four stuff. So you know, yeah. the tough is tough now, and uh, with durable that that always going to help him again uh, survive some of those bigger guns. Uh, special rules: he's got Carpathogen. Uh, Eric, what, what is Carpathogen? You're the enlightened guy. Yep. So. This ability, it costs only one fortune chip and may be used by this unit once per turn when a construct face, hands, or support unit within six inches of Eiffel is destroyed. Um, and before taint checks are made, you roll a D5 of the models destroyed in that unit and they're returned to play within three inches of Eiffel. So it's basically he can resurrect them. Um, it's a common right. rule that the Enlightened have. You see it a lot with the hands, and, you know, you group the hands around the boss. And, you know, as they're dropping, you know, when that last one goes, he could just, you know, spend a fortune chip and roll a dice and bring that many back. Right. Um, so I envision the big spider and have, bringing the Widowers, which is the little spiders, like yeah. have a unit of couple of units around him within six inches and if they do take he for what is it you said it was one fortune chip yeah to put, bring back five of them up to five of the models that were destroyed yeah that's huge and and it is one like you said one of the common things for an enlightened uh force i mean it's that's their niche yeah it's the ability to bring back these these zombies back into the game no uh, when you do that, you just got to keep in mind that that new unit that you brought back counts as already activated uh, that turn and gets the reanimated rule. So the reanimated rule is, you know, you brought him back. You you can't do the uh, the taint check, like if he dies again. Right. Um, so it's like it's either or. You either do the reanimated rule or... You do the tape check and, you know, try to turn them into Hex Beast. Right. So so what happens is, uh, so when the unit, the last of the unit falls, you, if you're going to use the fortune, you roll for Carpathogen. Yeah. And say you get three and three are able to step up, right? Do you then roll the taint check for the others or is taint check more of a unit check? Or is taint check a model check? Because of the six models down, only three stamp up. Do the other three have to do their tank check? Hmm. Man, it's been a while for I me. I'm trying to think. Um. So yeah, Brian. Uh, when you do Carpathogen, you like I was saying, you actually have to choose one or the other. Uh, you either do Carpathogen, or you don't do it and you wait so you can do the tank check. And the reason is Carpathogen. When you do that, it is actually a like a unit test. So regardless of how many come back, um, they they get the reanimated rule. And what the reanimated rule says that the unit, you know, however many come back, is always disordered and has a limit of one. And basically, the unit cannot be affected again by carpathogen. So you can't bring them again again back when they die um or any other rule that would enable you know units to return to play or you know technically become hex beast 
once they're destroyed. So you kind of have to make that choice. Do I want to wait and take the chance of rolling the dice to bring back three? But then you can't, the, the other two that didn't come back from Carpathogen, you can't then go ahead and say, I want to do a taint check on these guys too. It just, it doesn't work that way. You have to choose one or the other because of the way Carpathogen affects the whole unit, not individuals. Right, that makes sense. And then, of course, you got you got to remember too that now with the new rules, um, if you're if you're lucky enough, you know it's kind of a chance if you're lucky enough to get where you just have that last guy in the unit to be able to do the um, the Carpathogen and you know try to reanimate them because now they have the Twitchy, which right. is basically the construct machine version of a yellow check but what that is is when that unit's reduced to two models then you would actually have to do that yellow check so hopefully you pass that and then you can get it down to the last one and then try to do the carpathogen and bring you know those broken guys back so yeah yeah, it's just one of those it's kind of a forgotten rule or it's kind of mis uh, understood, which I mean, it's understandable. I, you know, I always forget it too. And, you know, you have to, uh, look at a couple different places and then kind of put them together and be like, Oh, okay. That's how they work together. So, uh, just, you know, kind of take a note, you know, and, um, try to remember how, you know, that really works and what your choices are. So, Pretty neat, and uh, again, often neglected rules because <laughs> they don't come up very often for all players. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're playing enlightened, man, make sure you know your your uh, your the details and act out of there. Uh, one of the other caveats for the Carpathian is this: the Carpathian cannot be used against units that are removed from the play due to yellow checks. So if, if if they route because they're scared, they can't they can't come back. Brought back. Yeah. Well, which makes sense because they didn't die. Yeah. They're not getting reanimated. They ran away. Well, that doesn't mean they're not going to die because you know Gustav is probably quite known for dismantling uh, you know <laughs> some yellow bellied uh, <laughs> widowers. Yeah, I don't know. He... <laughs> okay, so uh, one of the next. Uh, special rules is galvanic, and this basically states that stun and disordered qualities do not cause attribute penalties to be suffered by this unit, though they still count as having the condition. Yeah, that's so, that's huge. Several different, but uh, so the penalty to the limit and the penalty uh, to from having stun, where you have to subtract one from all stats yeah. except for limit. Yeah, um, this is great any of the negatives except for you carry the condition. So any other special affected weapons or say taking wounds, it applies during those uh, instances. It's just not a minus to the modifiers of your attribute. So really nice. Yeah. It doesn't, it won't slow them down basically. Right. Speaking of not slowing down, he has rapid, so he can focus. We were talking about him focusing and stuff. He could do that for free. <laughs> so he can focus his move action at no additional cost. 
So limit or yeah, I'm like he's coming to say hi. I I I'd be <laughs> focusing on him almost every single activation because it's free. And then if you really want to get him to move, well, you could dash. <laughs> you know, and if you have if you have the action card right, so he he's basically he's he's very needy of having good card control. Yeah, right. Because he benefits from big, big cards, right? So you want to use the four, you want to use the five, you want to use some of your adventure cards also to help boost his points. So he has enough points to really, you know, capitalize on that limit of four. Yeah. And those, those three point three three inches on his moves, right? So you literally, if, if you plan your, your strategy, definitely if you can, Get you a treasure hunter in here and his posse, right? Yeah. Give him that extra adventure card. Also look into finding some, uh, you know, strategists and maybe, uh, what is it, tactical brilliance? Yeah. That way you see your deck in advance so you can do a little planning to to, to be, be ready to capitalize, right? It's like you're prepping in advance saying, okay, I've got this four. I know when it's coming. And that's that's items, right? It just it, that's a, like a tactical way of making sure you can capitalize off of Eiffel. Going in blind, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah, nothing worse than having Eiffel on the board and your the card that you have is a one. Oh, <laughs> it's like, man! Oh, here's, here's a, I can't even do anything with. <laughs> All right, so save the best part for last, Gustav Eiffel's. Weapon sweet. It's pretty amazing. Uh, you could say it's sweet. Uh, no pun intended. First weapon. Underneath, Don't see that. <laughs> underneath the, the, the head of this spider mech, it's located under the undercarriage of the cockpit, is a juice Gatling gun. And the juice Gatling gun is has a 15-inch range, it has pierce two and rate of attack of three. Its weapon qualities include special, brutal, and linked. Special basically means you can only use it once per activation, but that rate of attack of three with brutal means you there's a potential of having two to four, you know, hits. Yeah. And with link, you're going to get a better chance of doing that because any any miss rolls. Uh, originally missed, you're going to be able to re-roll with Link. So, uh, a really good suite to have. The Gatling guns, I think, in 1.09 did did improve, and his Gatling gun is crits to overcharge. And overcharge is quite powerful, and what it does, it, and now when you, when you have overcharge, you want to make sure you're paying attention and, and getting your dice rolls where you know which one the crit is because it does affect the rest of the shots coming from that weapon yeah. for the entire activation. So, you know, you, you may want to roll them one at a time because if your first hit triggers overcharge. Okay. So, um, wow. My, my totally blank. <laughs> I don't remember what overcharge was. You don't remember either. Uh, I, I don't know things. 
Yeah, you, you definitely need to put the bitter to doops from Wayne World, Wayne's World, in there, <laughs> and cut over to Brian reading. <laughs> Overcharged. Blah 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 blah. And then back into wherever he was. Right. What stinks is I when I got my new phone, the fresh downloads aren't easily accessed. I have to re-download it. Okay. <laughs> Overcharge, yeah. Overcharge on a crit means the weapon gains disrupt and hazardous qualities for the duration of that action. If the weapon to these qualities, it gains lethal as well. So what happens is if that first of the three rolls triggers overcharged, all the other rolls are going to pick up disrupt and hazardous. So it's going to be special, brutal, linked, hazardous, and disrupt. That's a lot from one weapon. Right. I know which which one is the crit, right? So yeah. if it's the first one, obviously it's going to be powerful, right? If it's the second one, then the last one's going to trigger, right? So it, it you definitely want to know which one it is. Obviously, it's just that action. So as long as one of them crits, but you can see how it can stack up, you know. So the second crit in that those three rolls adds lethal. Yeah. Okay, we lost your video, uh, Eric. Eric. I'm having connection issues, so I tried turning the video off to see if it helps. Okay, that was distracting. All right. So, so so Brian, what what's the next weapon that uh, Eiffel has there? He's got uh, what is it? Hammer hand? Is that what I'm reading? Right. So with him being such a humongous spider, he does pick up hammer hand. And it it actually probably should have the S at the end because it has a rate of attack of three to yeah. symbolize he's got a few spider feet that he can swing around and, and crush you with. And Hammerhand in 1.09 definitely got improved uh, because his weapon qualities start with stun, brutal. So that, again, the rate of attack of three gives you the potential of two to four successful hits if you roll well. And it crits displace. So basically what that symbolizes is he's hitting you, and if he hits you hard enough, you're knocked back. Yeah. Right? You're, you're flinging the, his, the, the target down the, away from him. One was like, oh, my God, Hammerhand's ruined. You know, if you're a hand-to-hand guy, why would you want the guy to be knocked away? And I'm thinking, well, most hand-to-hand guys also have – uh, you know, a shoot action here and there. Yeah. So now he's he's far enough away. Now finish him off with a weapon. So I, I, I like it. It also is very thematic. You know, you got your cyborg arms or your giant spidey leg, and you thump a dude, and he goes flying across the uh, the courtyard. It's just it's just awesome. I, I love the the theme. I love how that how that made some models really have a nice touch to it. So. Yeah, and the di- the, the, hammer hand. the awesome. displaced is it's a it's a D five in a random direction, so it could be as little as one inch to what five inches, right? Something like that. Yeah. So he won't get, don't be on the second level. Yeah, he won't get too far away from you. <laughs> All right. So the next weapon is 
uh, also another melee weapon, and it's the fanged maw. So this spider does actually have these small little, uh, little like spider fangs, I guess, and it's got a zero range, so just like Hammerhand, it's, you're going to be base-to-base, and it has a pierce of two and a rate of attack of one. So the weapon qualities it comes with are brutal. Again. So you're going to double up that <laughs> again, uh, right? It has tangled and refined. What that does is uh, give, potentially gives you two hits. The tangled does some pretty neat little tricks here. So I'll read those real quick. That way we're all on the same page. Yeah. You don't so see... in addition to pack, what's that? As I say, uh, Tangle's interesting. You don't see it too yeah. often. So in addition to passing a grit check, a unit hit by a Tangled weapon must also pass a fight check. If you pass the fight check, the unit suffers no additional effects of it being Tangled. It still suffers the weapon hit, but yeah. it doesn't, affect, uh, doesn't suffer any additional effects as far as the Tangled. If he fails the fight check, the unit immediately receives the stunned, and disordered conditions. Units with the spirit trait are immune to tangle. This is huge, right? So what yeah. happens is not only about your worrying about your grit, you now have to worry about picking up stunned and disordered immediately. Yeah. Which means you're now making your grit check possibly stunned and disordered already. Yeah, he's he's got some good combo weapons here that you know you do one and then you do the other and uh you could really <laughs> put some conditions on some some guys. Right. So in the, the last weapon quality what refine does, it increases your your possible crit. So normally weapons crit on a roll of ten. With refined it's a nine or ten. So then the Fanged Maul has Fatal on credit. And Fatal is one of the new rules that we see in 1.09. And it basically makes this weapon attack immune to metal. So you cannot use metal yeah. to fluff your thing. Now, some would say, hey, if Tangled actually worked he's already you know it, it doesn't matter <laughs> you know because if tangled work he's going to have stun and disordered so he's not going to be able to use metal anyway but there are there are a chance where they pass their their fight checks yeah and so none of that happened but then you now here comes the fatal and that could possibly be able to get your guy taken out so yeah so the I like that as the fallback. It's like, dude, if you crit one, man, that's going to even make it even harder to survive this fanged maw attack. So I think it, I think it works, and I think it's really neat. Uh, it's a nice little package. So uh, I love having refined in there when you have a really good crit. So I, I like it. And what's that last weapon there? Okay, so he has a web launcher. Uh, the web launcher is a range of zero, so he's got to be right up on the guy he's uh, tearing into. Uh, it's a piercing minus one with with a rate of attack one. 
And then the weapon qualities for the web launcher is it has tangle again. So kind of like the, the Fang Mall where he has to do the grit check and then a fight check. And it also has torrent. So this is a torrent weapon where you use the template. So right. you get get a couple different units under that torrent and they'll be have to make the you know the check there. Yeah. So it the the range is up out to the end of the template and really placement is important because you know, as much as you can tweak out your moves and really get lined up to where you can hit an entire unit or a couple of different units with that template and you have to remember Gustav Feifel's got a quick a seven and a limit of four and free rapids. He's gonna be able to set himself up yeah. in a good spot. So if you're thinking tactics, make sure you're thinking in that. Always thinking of, hey, I do have the ability to throw down the web. I want to make sure I plan for that and make sure I maneuver in a way that not only gives me good placement on the board, but also make sure if I want the option of using that web launcher instead of some of the other awesome weapons as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically if, if it, if it triggers, it's going to be big, especially if you're fighting hands. So, so that's his weapon suite. So what do you, what do you guys think about, uh, now I've used Eiffel, I've used Eiffel in the past and my, my biggest issue with him was that he was so big it's hard to hide him on the board uh, from taking shots, but this this new card of his is it, it's super aggressive. This is totally uh, a boss to put in your posse that you just want to go right out after your your opponent. I mean, with his speed, he's very maneuverable. With like you were saying, lining up with that the torrent weapon and you know kind of setting up for his best case attack. But yeah, he's, he's very aggressive. <laughs> I, I need to try him again. Yeah. With that movement. And, and he just seems like you just want to ram him down your opponent's throat. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and end of story, he's going to get there quick. He's going to do what he's got to do. Uh, you know, you're basically always going to get your first strike with him, you know, because he's going to, he's probably going to be out of range of most anything until he goes, basically, if you set up. And then he's he's just going to get thrown right in there and do whatever it is you want him to do. You're basically going to have a turn of him doing whatever it is you want done yeah. uh, before the other side gets to retaliate. And that that is huge. Yeah, I see him, you know, I've been thinking uh, for about some enlightened list lately with our, our new rules that we got. And um, I'm kind of thinking he would be a great secondary boss in a posse. You know, he would attract so much attention with how aggressive he is and running out there. And then, you know, you combine him with the widowers with his little, his little spider minions for support. I think he would be great about, you know, really, we talk a lot about stuff, not just, you know, like uh, 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 distraction. You know, he would be a good one that he would distract your opponent a lot that, that they'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's coming right at me, that they would put a lot of focus on him. And then if you you had another boss in, 
your posse, well, that boss can be the, you know, a little more strategic in capturing those objectives and, you know, maybe making a beeline around the map to get to something else, maybe come up from behind or, um, I mean, that's kind of what my, I'm thinking. I think right. that he could he could really lead to some panic reactions yeah. uh, from the other player. Uh, you're, you're really just putting a lot of stress on the other player and uh, forcing them to have to react to him, uh, and and can really throw whatever plans they have into disarray. Yeah, right. I think I think he's great for depending on what the the scenario is is when you would time his aggressive nature, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he will outdistance any of the hands that the enlightened are going to be able to bring on. Over. Yeah. So, cause he's faster than them. And so it may be a timing issue if you want him to have those resources around so he can carpe the gym. So there's two ways to take him. You can make sure he waits like a spider and then he pounces or depending on the scenario, your best bet is not to wait is just to go right into whatever his target is. Yeah. And you really want to make sure you plan it to where whatever target it is, is isolated enough to where he won't be a target from, um, other units, especially range units. So he does benefit from a very congested board in the fact that he then can have some cover obviously to help with the grit uh with the grit checks but you go you want to get in there right yeah and then you let the hands you come in afterwards but like i said earlier he benefits from some card tactics so the other boss or other uh, faces that come in play when you bring a different posse in, involved with him definitely try to pick up those those card shenanigans right yeah even the evil ones where you can make your opponent burn off cards those are good too but definitely be able to look at your own deck to where you can map out which card comes next so you can you can use eiffel to his fullest potential and well, it's nice that he has durable so you don't have to worry about you know rushing them in there too much I mean, because he's going to ignore somebody's piercing that there's, you know, if if he doesn't have the cover and he gets caught kind of a bunch of guys shooting at him, that makes it a little bit, you know, easier to charge in there and not have to worry about it. Right. I I think what you're concerned about him is his weight of fire going against him. Yeah. You know, you roll enough dice, sooner or, sooner or later they're going to fail on you. So I, I think that's what your biggest thing is. If he's outstripped the rest of the posse, uh, he becomes a big focus target, which might be okay uh, if he got in and did what he needed to do. If he then dies, you know, maybe it, that could be part of you know what you're calculating. Yeah. Uh, because at the same time, is he is drawing all that fire away from the rest of the posse, which is not a terrible thing. But like Brian said, he, you're 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 probably better off trying to bring him around an edge, do something where he got, comes against an isolated guy, so he doesn't face that weight of fire. Because you know, like any other model in this game, 
you can only dodge and survive so much stuff. Yeah. Uh, sooner or later, enough stuff gets shot at you, you're going down. All right. So that was legendary Gustav Eiffel for the Enlightened. Um, why don't we go into our other legendary boss that we were going to talk about today? And that is Nikki T. Nikki T playing for the good guys. <laughs> no, I don't see Lawman trade on here. Oh, listen to that. <laughs> listen. To oh, that. I, I, I see what you, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> my, my heart kind of just right. like withered a little bit there. <laughs> right. Okay, so Nikolai Tesla. Okay, so he's another legendary boss. His faction is Union. So his 1.091 card has boss, legendary, Union, human, machine, male, vehicle, and mounted. One, mi- one missing trait. He is. Nikolai Tesla, legendary Nikolai Tesla, is not a commander. Yeah, so he is. I envision his non-legendary model having the commander trait. His automatons were shown in when they announced the Lost World Axis, so we may see him lead a detachment. They tease him, or we just may see more his tool. We may see more of his tool. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Obviously, the next year will reveal the War Cradle secrets. All right. So, fortune-wise, Tesla has three fortune. He costs actually quite a bit more than Eiffel. He's 240. That's a full 50 points more. Yeah, that's, that's quite a yep. bit. Um, and he is also unique. We'll see why. He's he's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> Right, was that was that a hydro flask you were drinking out of? A what? Was that a hydro flask? Uh, it's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's my sarsaparilla cup. Your sarsaparilla. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his Ooh, so sorry, continue. <laughs> okay, so Tesla stats. So his stats, he has a quick of six. Uh, he is also a brainiac, so he has a mind of seven. His aim is six. He has a grit of eight, a little bit higher there. Uh, a fight of five, and also has a limit of four. So he's he's got some pretty uh, good stats there. Right. So right off in that grouping, he's 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 got a pretty good quickness, but a little bit slower than uh, than Eiffel. But the grit of eight is huge. Yeah. So some of that extra cost is going to be that grit eight. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, he's a little bit more protected. You see like in the new model, you know, cause his model also got a little bit of an upgrade in war cradle when they re recast him. And one of the things they did was they made him more embedded in the armor. So he's like, he looks like he's hunkering behind the, you know, the front of his tank, like uh back suit. So he's way protected because his his mech does not have actual hands. Probably is why the fight is a five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I was like, hey, man, dude, he's just going to be pummeling you with the the barrels or stomping on you with his feet. So I I can get that that he, fight of five. 
Yeah, he's he's basically like the what was it, the Ed two oh nine from Robocop? <laughs> That's what he reminds me of. <laughs> <laughs> right. Just just not dumb programming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what kind of common rules does Tesla have here? Well, he's got tough, largesse, durable, and say it, Eric. Say it. <laughs> Prodigious. Prodigious. Yay. See, the longer that we do episodes, I'm getting it better and better. So maybe, you know, in another year, I'll say it we right. We still have to cheer with the right. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to find a new word for you to. Oh, I'm sure we'll find with. a new word for me. <laughs> yeah, what's Jesse's last name, Eric? Oh, no, no, no. I'm not even trying that one. <laughs> So okay, so this is a really powerful boost to. I mean, uh, when you use uh, God focus, so that's one of the other reasons why he's going to be a little more expensive. Yeah, um, he has tough and large, durable. So he's that that grit of eight is again hard to crack with yeah. durable because you're already going to suffer a minus two whatever piercing. Uh, is actually going to actually be one less. So also he's he's got some pretty good special rules that is also going to be the reason he costs so much more. The first one is Tesla masterwork. Uh, so a lot of Tesla's creations pick up this, and it says uh, this unit may re-roll failed grit checks. But wait, there's more. The stun and disrupt qualities do not cause attribute penalties to be suffered by this unit though they still count as having the condition. Yeah, that sounds a little familiar. It's, it's almost like he's a, a yeah, it's almost like he's immune to uh, Eiffel's fun shenanigans. Yeah, and, and he's getting that the free reroll that tough lost in the 1.09. So yeah. he going to be hard to crack because the grit 8 stacked with durable, stacked with tough and he can re-roll any failed grit checks, and he's ignoring those attribute penalties from stun and disrupt. So he's he's going to be a tough one. The next uh, thing he's got in his wheelhouse is magnetic attraction. This unit may make a single walk action each activation for no action point cost, provided the move is in a straight line towards a model within 10 inches with the construct or machine traits hmm. so again with a limit of four yeah that's he can pick a free move action yeah that's big especially when he's going after enlighten or machines yeah so he is going to be able to pull himself towards eiffel so if eiffel gets scared and tries to move away this magnetic beast of a Mac is just going to get free moves towards him. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Light Eiffel would flee anyway, but it is kind of going to be able to pull. Well, you can range out a, uh, you know, a construct or a, a machine of some sort in front of him on his own turn, you know, That's and then true. have pull pull himself up on that. So you can actually use your own models to set up moves for him. Right. So that leapfrog, you know, you bring bring someone up up ahead and then 
have that magnetic attraction just to give him his free moves. Yeah. Yeah, good tactic there, too. His next one is more defensive stuff. Like, he needed any more defensive yeah, abilities. Really. He picks up shield aura, and shield aura, at the start of this unit's activation, it may spend one action point to gain, wait for it, <laughs> plus one grit for the remainder of the turn. God. For the remainder of the turn. Oh, my God. He is. Huge, right? So what's his grit now, Eric? Yeah, it's nine. I mean, you could do this and have nine. And I, I mean, with durable, and I'm like, give you. I mean, can it another grit? Can it get any worse? <laughs> to try to do something <laughs> against him, but but like okay. many times we say, it's not about killing him. It's about the scenario. So keep that in mind. Don't get don't get frustrated. <laughs> Even though that would be frustrating. Next one. Those who are being frustrated, he has something that may help you if you're frustrated. He has inspirational. So any friendly unit, excluding this unit, so excluding himself, within six inches may re-roll a single dice roll in their activation. Hand and out free re-rolls like candy. <laughs> now, he's got a redundant special rule, so hopefully... They didn't add these points to the two, the total to get to 240. Because Hardy is the unit may re-roll failed grit checks. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Tesla Mathwork gave him that, but we see the Hardy rule here as well. And then the last one is pretty awesome. Although, there are some uh, machines that actually are vehicles that have like even better use of War Machine. Yeah. But War Machine basically states a unit with the vehicle trait may fire all of their weapons they are equipped with in the same shoot action. They may target different units with different weapons if they have them. Furthermore, during its activation, this unit may spend an action point and remain stationary to ignore the special quality on one of its ranged weapons for the remainder of the activation. So remember, we had talked about special when we were discussing uh, Eiffel. So because we'll get into the weapons later, but Nikolai Tesla does not have multiple shooty weapons. He's no. only got one. Yeah. So he doesn't gain from that first section of War Machine. But the second part about remaining stationary and being able to ignore the special quality on the ranged weapon will come into play. Yeah. So with that, let's jump into those weapons. And so his range weapon is experimental electro cannons. Tesla's the big electromagnetic era, so not a surprise to see experimental electro cannons. They have a range of 18, so that's much longer range than most of the electro stuff. So yeah. it's already it's it's been boosted in that regard. It's got a pierce of four, a rate of attack of so here's where that kind of triggers the targeting multiple models, right? You can send one of those to three different ways. Well, I mean, that, that War Machine was talking about different weapons. This is all the rate of attack. So he, he's, he's, I don't think that comes into play here, but here's where it does. His weapon qualities are special. Oh, yeah, different weapons. Stun and refine. So... 
War Machine allows him to spend an action point and not move. So he basically is hunkering down and he's focusing a little extra of his ability into using that ranged weapon as many times as he wants during the activation, right? Yeah. So basically with a limit of four and you have the, the points to do it, you spend one extra action point to get that ball rolling, stay still, and you can do four shots on these experimental electric cannons. Pierce four, rate of attack at three, disrupt, stun, refine, wait for it, on crit, brutal. Yeah, so they're refine's going to be easier to get the brutal. Right. So you're going to have the ability to, to possibly, with the crits, pick up, you know, anywhere from two to four hits times four. Yeah. So he's arranged Matt, right? And he's given out disrupt and stun. So against Enlighten, it's just, it's gross, right? Yeah. Disrupt really jacks with the uh, constructs. And then he's also given them stun if they succeed in any of their grit checks. So, I mean, it's just like layer of layer of just not fun. But if he stands still, I mean, that's, that. I mean, oof. yeah, that's, that's a bunch of shots, you know, it's nine. <laughs> unless it's any crit. And then it just keeps going up from there, you know? So it's, it's pretty bad. I, I'm just glad it didn't have leaned. <laughs> Cause that would be no more, no fair. Oh my God. Yeah. So his his last weapon obviously is his hand to hand, which is hammer hands, the same you know qualities that the other have, except he can because he's a two legged mecha, and his hammer hands are his stomping feet. Yeah, he can only stomp with one at a time. Yeah, so it's the rate of one still carries the pierce one, and the stun and brutal, and displace on a crit. That's Nikolai Tesla. So not as many weapon options, but uh, he's between super the super def- defensive, yeah, double triple stack of layer on layer layer of defensive abilities, and then being able to truly capitalize on not moving and just plugging away eighteen inches away, yeah, with the potential of throwing nine to sixteen shots, uh, all carry and disrupt and stun. Yeah, I, this, this is a guy that I wouldn't even want to go near. It's more or less I'd be, okay, he's sitting up on that side of the board. I'm going over here. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, what I was just thinking about this as this goes to with magnetic attraction, it's kind of neat. You could do the standing still, use everything. And at the very end, if you set it up, you can then have him use his free movement to pull him right out of line of fire for getting return fire on him. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that, that is would work. Yeah. So, um, that's very just, tricky. Uh, yes. Yes. I'm once in a while. I think about of things. <laughs> <laughs> so Tesla versus Eiffel. Right. So tactically Tesla again, move, move about pretty well. Not as good as uh, as Eiffel, but he's he's a more powerful ranged option. Yeah, mm-hmm. and with the inspirational, he's going to want to be able to be near some of his troops so he can share that about right. So 
he, it's going to be an interesting matchup with these two because one of them is very much has great range weapons, but I think, I think Eiffel wants to get up in his face. Oh yes. Cause that's the trick. If, if Eiffel can get in to base to base, um, I think, I think that's going to be the trick. So, it's. I think it's really interesting to think about. <clears throat> we were talking about how yet you have to be careful with Eiffel because he outpaces the rest of his posse very easily. Um, Tesla is just the opposite. He's he doesn't want to go straight in. He doesn't want to go barreling in. He doesn't want to outpace his posse. So if you tried to come in on him with Eiffel, with Eiffel, my expectation is that Tesla's got his posse around him. Right. So, yeah, you could you could come in, you can go base to base with him, and you're going to have to deal with at least some support from the rest of the posse. Um, otherwise, Tesla's not coming to you. You have to go to him. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be anywhere near you. So, so if you're coming to Tesla, you're coming into a trap. Right. So I, I have a feeling that, but that's also the way to go is, you bring Eiffel right into the trap and go base to base with with Tesla and then use your weapons against the trap. Basically use him as, as the trap breaker, the trap buster, so, so right. that the rest of the and body doesn't kind of ignore, ignore Tesla. He's only got that one rate of attack, pink, pink, pink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But then you use your your tangle web on some one part of the trap, and then you use your 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 other your melee attacks. I think that might be able to you know break up the trap a little with his with his attack, especially since he's got such a large base. He's he's going to be able to engage a you know a sizable portion whatever the trap is. Right. So I think that still may be the best tactic, especially if the goal is for them to go head to head. Now, obviously. Not necessarily, because if you're going posse to posse, I think Tesla is going to make Eiffel have to be a non-aggressive boss. Yeah, right. Because Eiffel, Eiffel may have to tackle parts of Tesla's flank until he could then engage uh, safely. Right. Because he doesn't want to be in in line of sight of, you know, the not electroshock <laughs> God, you know, I mean, you say that <laughs> what? 9 to 16 electroshock shots <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> no I mean it's just like uh, you don't want that so I, I, I so that's the interesting so in and if it's if it's you know mano a mano and we're just battling to take each other out I, I think Tesla has a, a little bit of an edge because of the potential to have a grid of 10. Yeah. He's so durable that it's going to be hard he's to so crack durable. that. Well, haha. <laughs> it's hard to crack that nut. Like we were saying. <laughs> yeah. But just one-on-one, all iPhone needs to do is come into base space contact and you know that now he's laughing at him. Yeah, well, I mean, the only the only option Tesla has at that point is he's gambling on getting that crit displacement. Yeah, yeah, pushing Eiffel just out of reach to then unload 
his yeah. electric line. And so it's very much going to be, okay, so is Eiffel not going to use his hammer hands because the right. risk of knocking him away? <laughs> yeah. Right? Or, it, I mean, how is that dance going to happen? You know, is it going to be this very much like uh, Eiffel's going to go ping, 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 bouncing off the armor, and then Tesla is going to, you know, eventually get a good far enough away to then be able to unleash, you know, the cannons on him. Right? Yeah. Right. Well, then would definitely be a very uh, interesting, hey, let's just go boss to boss. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it 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 seems like once he gets the once he gets those cannons off, it's game over, man. But does he ever get to get to that point? Right. If, yeah. if Eiffel if engages him, is he able to take him down before before well, uh, Tesla gets that separation? Risk walking away. Yeah. Sure, he can risk walking away, but he he does that full volley of shots then then you're hoping that you you know win the initiative for the next turn right yeah i mean that that's the risk he can walk away or you know he can walk away and then get one shot with his cannon yep which is better than no shot right and then he has that gamble of whether or not he would be able to pick up the next initiative and with with his limit, depending on what you have, maybe you take the shot with the hammer hand, see if you displace. If you don't, then you walk away because you're only getting one shot anyway. That's right. And with the Eiffel, he's, it's like, okay, tangle. He's got two options to tangle you up, which he's throwing down all these, these uh, conditions. So you only really need one wound. It's just... You're just putting as many of these hits on him as you can, in the hopes that he's going to fail the yeah. grit check. Yeah, right. And depending which on he, which Eiffel which he then gets to reroll, <laughs> right? But it, depending on Tesla's actions, is whether or not it's going to be an eight or or I guess it's nine or ten. Whether or not the grit's going to be nine or ten is the the issue, right? It's did he use one of his points to go ahead and generate the shield? And, and then it's like, you know, the law of average and roll. I mean, yeah. obviously he has throwing more rolls at him if they keep base to base contact. And then you're just, it's a waiting game to see if Tesla's going to crit fail. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's really what we're seeing. Who, who crit fails first. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I I don't know who I would pick on this. Um, Tesla's scary. I faced him, and he's just scary. I, I think I would go Tesla. I I, I think that you know, is it a hundred percent? No, but I think you know, four out of five times, yeah, he's going to come out the winner in that. I I think that he's less likely to crit fail before something goes wrong for Eiffel. Right. Yeah, he's, I mean, not, not only is he aggressive or, you know, he's, he's strong in his, you know, um, attacking and stuff like that, but he's very survivable. He's got so many levels of that defense to help him take stuff. So it hurts me to say that, but (laughs) I fall in the light. So really it's, it's down to posse, 
Yeah. Right. So obviously head to head, I think it's going to be, I think it'll end up being Tesla just because he's going to be impossible to hit or to, to really harm. It's a long shot for, I think for Iver. Yeah. But, but depending on the posse matchups, because obviously each of these bosses, you're going to team up with another posse, right? So yeah. what I would like to see is Eiffel bringing Hamilton. Because Hamilton has the tactical brilliance. She's got portals. She's got Rebel Yell. Mm-hmm. She has a whole bunch of tactics to add to the playing field. And, you know, her posse is going to have extra limit from the Rebel Yell. Yep. They're going to have, you know, they're going to be able to move people around. Uh, unfortunately, Eiffel will not be able to use the portals, but his support will, right? And then in for Tesla, really, he's got so many different options on how to support him on what the other boss might be. I think a Custer added to this will be devastating for the opponent because Custer with eight fortune and then, you know, a slew of his hands. And especially if you've got enough of the uh, iron horses laying around to bring those type of hands into the game, uh, that would be a great matchup, right? Which I do have. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, that that battle would be interesting to see because then then it's, that's an I think that would be a a pretty even, uh, you know, head to head. So that also calls to mind something that Eric said about Apple. He's huge. He's hard to hide. Yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about having a guy with a pretty long range weapon, 18 inches, depending on the, obviously depends on the size of the board that you're playing on, but he's got an 18 inch range weapon against a guy who really can't hide very well. Um, that's a little scary as well that he can, as long as he get, there's a pretty good chance he's going to be able to fire at him. Right. So, uh, you know, that, that's another, I think thing that's against Eiffel. Yeah, it's really, it's like Brian was saying, it's a really, with Eiffel, it's a matter of timing if you do go up against Tesla, of when do you go? Do you hold back as long as you can so the rest of the posse can kind of get in position since he can outpace them so well? Or do you just, you know, jump on it before your opponent can set up uh, because he can't hide and that he is going to be a target? I mean, with his speed and his maneuverability, he should be able to do what he needs to do easy enough to position. But then again, you get you got to remember about the rest of that posse. But I like what you said, Brian. Portals. Hamilton with portals will help with that. Yep. I, it definitely sounds like it would take a lot more finesse for the enlightened posse in that uh, scenario. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but if you if you're a player who could handle that finesse, it could be pretty awesome. You know, I think that the the union posse regardless of how you build it is going to be much more straightforward yeah i think that uh tesla lends himself to being a pretty straightforward boss yeah he yeah. he's just going to stand there he he's just a murder machine right well i mean i mean tesla is get into a position where you have you have some uh some cover and you would sit in a 18 inch of arc of death 
and then have enough people around him to benefit from the six inch, you know, inspiration. And, you know, his posses are basically, Hey, bring some more, uh, you know, GI bots and stuff like that. And, you know, stack them up, man. I mean, obviously in the future, we'll see some other options of the GI bots, but a couple of grenade launching GI bots, flanking Tesla, man, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, uh, you're going to have to get up in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's, and you space, that's those, you space those um, GI bots around. Now he gets to drag himself in any, any old direction he wants to go. You know, I, he, he's got he's, – he's pretty good. <laughs> he's expensive, but, but holy cow. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I wasn't going to get one because I thought he looked dumb, but um, – Damn. <laughs> yeah, so I have the original Tesla, which uh, I've thrown paint on. He's not done, but he's he's got some base coating. Um, and so they made some some changes. And one of the changes they made was they put the coil, the Tesla coil, on his back, so it's not like above the head of the uh, you know the the mech. I would love to actually see them side by side, just to you know see what else may have changed. I may have to pick that up for when I eventually get my union assembled. I've got them all. I have them all. I just have to put them together, paint them, you know, (laughs) the stuff that I'm awesome at getting to. Well, so are we, are we basically all kind of going with Tesla on this uh, showdown? I, I think he's just, he's, He's almost, I think he's going to wear anybody down because he's just so hard to deal with and to get something through. Yeah, I, I, I think in this matchup he wins the majority of the time. Yeah, but uh, what we will do, as we've done in the past, is we'll put a poll up on our Facebook page with Tesla and Eiffel and see what all you guys think and vote on him. Um we didn't mention, so our last poll that we did in the last showdown, we had Nura and the third man. And as I look tonight, the third man took that 65% to 35% to Nura. And it, it kind of generated some conversation in the in the, the poll too. So we'll definitely do another one for these two guys, these two legendary bosses, and uh, let you guys vote, weigh in on what you guys think. And... Um, I totally blanked on what I was going to say. <laughs> I guess we'll go ahead and move out of the the showdown. And uh, I think these two bosses tore up the town enough, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. All right. Stay tuned, guys. We'll have some more for you. <laughs> <laughs> Shall I start, Brian? Sure, let's start it. All right. All right, guys. We got uh, a segment that we're kind of revisiting. A couple episodes ago, episode 15, we had uh, a segment where we kind of went over a couple new rules from when we got the 1.09 rules update. And in that in that segment, we were talking about how we kind of wanted to do a couple of these new rules, take them a little bit of a time, and uh, just go over them a little bit with you guys uh, because some of them have changed quite a bit 
whether it's like a, a totally new rule with a new name. Some of them, they just tweaked a little bit. And today we're going to visit some of these newer rules that came out of 1.09 again today. So the three of us, we kind of went through, we had a little brainstorming sheet that we did last time and went through some of these and we picked out some that kind of go together. So today we're going to go over, uh, we're going to go over Compel, Brian, and um, uh, what else do we say we're going to go over? Mimic. Right. The Mimic's got a big change in 1.09. Mainly they their main functionary rules got changed and it it's under the heading of the cerulean clay so uh it details their new disguise feature uh in the game so we'll go over that and then after that we're going to go over undercover because they both have similar game mechanics so those are three that we're going to go over okay wasn't that just two we're going to go over three because we're going to go over no no didn't you just say two cerulean clade has disguise Undercover? I thought we were going to talk about Compel also. Yeah, Compel's one. Oh, I didn't hear you say Compel. The Scribe. Brian, you think they got mute for headphones too? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't hear you say Compel. Uh, Since we're we're talking about Compel, why don't we we go over Compel? Um, That's not... So that's an ability that is we've seen in different factions, unlike uh, I think Mimic for now is just with the Watchers. But Compel, uh, we've seen it in Hex. Uh, the Watchers have it. Um, who else has Compel, Brian, for factions? Can you think um, of any? Well, okay, so the, some some of those kind of like sneak in in different ways, but for most of the Compels in the game are going to be the hex and then the mimics and the watchers have it um outside of that it's going to be very restricted i I don't know too many like cross i'm trying uh, to think if any of the like the outlaw uh, mercenaries have it it's got to show up it's got to show up with the order you know they're 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 a religious faction right so eventually you might see that like when the blessed come out but right now with the cocoroli or the astrea they don't have it. Okay. But because if you look at the All Shard portal, it, it teases uh, another segment of their, I guess, structure, which will include, you know, the units that are considered blessed. Okay. I, I, would, I would be looking for this there. What's that? I would be looking for this there. I th- I'm thinking about, you know, I when they, uh, you know, uh, do an exorcism type stuff, you know. Compel. <laughs> I can right. just see Tom playing that. I compel you. <laughs> so I will, especially against the hex. Those guys are definitely possessed. Right. So one of the things to consider is like when you're talking about compel, there's very few people who just get it called compel, but the Dark Council basically gives you know, those models give the ability to compel. Yeah. There might be additional rules like underneath that heading. The same way with like how the the Cerulean clade, the way it's worded, the the ability to disguise is underneath the clade. Yeah. So that gives it probably could hit to some type of unit in the future that may have 
a rule called disguise that gives them the ability to, to hide amongst, uh, you know, the enemy. Okay. So let's go ahead and um, read, read Compel. Um, i got to move my card into the light so I can see it, my old eyes. Uh, compel. For one action point, this unit may select a target unit, friend or foe, within eight inches. That targeted unit must make a mind check. If the check is passed, nothing happens. Now, if the check fails, a model in that unit or the entire unit, if, if friendly, uh, is compelled and must immediately make an action of this unit's choice. This is a free action which cannot be focused or use fortune. And let's see, for the duration of that action, the compelled models count as friendlies to this unit. You cannot compel models with the Atama uh, structure or legendary traits. So that is compel. Right. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, you're basically picking a guy within a certain range, a friend or foe, and doing the mind check. Right. So some of the things that changed are, one, one, one action point, because it used to be two. The other thing is it's friendly or foe, and if it's a friendly unit and they fail the check, the entire unit is compelled instead of just one model. So if you go against, like, say, a uh, a support unit of three Gatlin guns, but they're your enemy, mm-hmm. only one of the Gatlin guns is going to act have free action. Okay, but if it's yeah, if you it, don't, okay. So if it's French, your it's your unit yeah. of Gatlin. So say you have a three unit of say brutes. And they're friendly, and they fail their check. Remember, brutes have a mind of like, Ugh. yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's going to be tough for them to win it. So if they fail, then you get all three of them get that action. Okay. So boon for people who have compel because now their friendlies gain so much more. Yeah. So you you really get to unlock some of your two limit you know, units. You basically get another shot if you have your compel. Uh, you know, leaders nearby. Yeah, it, that's that's a neat ability. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a it's a free action. You don't have to flip a card. And as a like a little sub note, this thing says the rule states, "Hey, you can't compel automata, structure, or legendary traits." Yeah. So what that means is, you know, your your law bots can't read them. Your attack dogs, those kind of things, you can't compel them, but they did add the ability for some of your tech centered like repair models. They gained jury rig, which is basically the ability to compel automatic. Yeah, that's right. So, and it, it's very, it's similarly worded. We'll probably go into that one in, in, a, in a later episode, more detail, just in case there are maybe some changes, but it basically gives that option of, you know, say like, uh, if you're going armored uh, justice with Morgan and he brings along like one, I think K3 has jury rig. So if he yeah. brings K3 along and she's basically going to make, you know, some of your automatized basically get a redo or get uh, some free actions and stuff. So, yeah, she's, she's good to run with the dogs because of that. And uh, like the repair. And I think she's got sick them. So she's kind of all about machines. She's very themed towards the machines. 
Okay, so that was Compel. It's pretty straightforward. Uh, I don't think we need to go any more into that. The other one we wanted to talk about with you guys today, though, is Mimic. And this one kind of got a big change. It it, it was kind of broken before, and it uh, the neat thing about tournaments... Well, it was, it was very pretty overpowered. Yeah, it's pretty disgusting. And easily, easily, easy to manipulate. Yeah, uh, some players. And I, I think the neat you thing know. is the reason they, you know, that they saw this is tournaments. You know, that's why we have tournaments. Is you see what, you know, other people are doing and thinking outside the box, and they saw that with this this rule, so they decided to uh, adjust it a little bit. I actually kind of like the Cerulean clade. This unit has assumed a friendly form, known as its disguise. Until it makes a combat action, a unit with a disguise may never be the initial target of an attack. Once this unit has made a combat action, the disguise is lost, and the unit may be chosen as an initial target as normal for the remainder of the game. A disguise is also lost if an enemy unit moves within three inches of this unit. Provided this unit is at least 10 inches from an enemy unit, this unit may regain its disguise during its activation by spending an action point. So basically, it causes your Cerulean Christ to be untargetable yeah. until they attack. But that also gives them the ability to hit and run. So the Cerulean Clay does not, you know, these Prime does no longer have the ability to I guess, uh, mimic weapons like they used to be able to. Yeah. Which is very hard to understand why they had, you know, they can immediately assume all these different weapons. But now they have a, uh, what's called a neurocacophonic blast. And it's an attuned shred blast with a crit of stun, eight inch range. So what you would do is you would get within eight inches, you would cacophonic blast them, dude, and then you would basically get to 10 inch range and then use your last action point to re-disguise. Yeah. And then, yeah. You know, so you basically hit and run and hide and then they can't target you back because they'll have to come all the way close. So what was it? Uh, 10? Well, how close do they have to get three inches? Is that it? Yeah. They have to be within three inches. That's pretty uh, close to turn the skies off. Right. Brian, what was the name of that gun? It's called a neurocacophonic blast. Cacophonic? Like a cacophony? Okay. <laughs> I don't know where he's going, Brian. <laughs> not, 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 not cacophonic? No, it literally says. That's what it says. I, I, I know what it says. I'm talking about how you're pronouncing it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> I think I was saying right. No, I'll I'll listen to it later, Brian. So <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a loud noise. It's not cacophonic. I didn't say cacophonic. Yeah, yeah you don't. <laughs> How is that not right? <laughs> it's literally what you just said. Okay, so I'm not going to touch the touch one. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Do it. Do it. Say it. 
I would say it as soporific. That is correct, sir. <laughs> soporific. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Guess it could be so. Yeah, that's how I feel right after I take a shower. Super horrific. Super Man, oh man, oh man. Okay, so right. back to disguise. So, um, so this this rule change is very different from the whole mimic rule that it used to be. I, I, I don't know. I don't know about it. I mean, Chris, Chris, my local player, is the one that plays Watchers with us, and he has tried the Vixens with it, and he said that, uh, you know, in the game that we were playing, it just, it, it kind of just did not work for him. I don't know if it's because it was early on, or if he didn't have a, you know, a big unit. He just had one unit, or one model in the unit. So I don't know. It, the, the, Judgment is still out for me because I haven't really seen it work like how we're talking about here, Brian, with the hit and run thing uh, with the Vixens, more right. or less. But um, it definitely could be disastrous, like you were saying, with uh, Cerulean Prime, you know, doing the hit and run and hiding. And you can't target him because he's disguised. You think he's, you know, whoever. Uh, and then all of a sudden he just materializes and blasts you. Couldn't you use them to do things like take and hold objectives, uh, yeah. forcing the other person to run up right into your face to get you out of it, off of it? You can't get really get shot off of an objective yeah. if they can't target you. It it has made them more uh, of strategy wise for objectives. That's that's true. Yeah. So similar, you can't see me until I do something. Rules is the new undercover. So how's a under- lot of your union. Uh, agents have picked up undercover. Okay. Uh, so undercover says the unit must be held in reserve. Once available, the unit is deployed anywhere in the play area. So basically, once you pull him out of reserve, he can be placed anywhere on the table. You must deploy at least 12 inches from an enemy unit and cannot deploy into a transport. So that's how you deploy them. You know, so basically the, the rule covers, you know, how the, the model is going to come in. And then here's what undercover does. Unless this unit is within eight inches and line of sight, this unit cannot be nominated as the initial target of an attack by any human enemy units unless that unit first successfully passes a mind check. Okay. So they're not disguised. They're just, you know, you have to, you're, you're basically, your human models have to second guess themselves to consider that person an enemy. Okay. So that's why they have to do a mind check. Yeah. Th- I mean, this basically seems like a much, much weaker form of disguise. Uh, other than the fact that you can uh, deploy anywhere on the table, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but, you know, the eight inches versus three inches to be able to to target uh, it only being humans and the fact that you can pass a mind check to just ignore this makes it a, a, a very weak version of what we were talking about with disguise. Right. So basically it, it's, it's a limited amount of protection for having to deploy your dude wherever you want. 
right? Because the old undercover, you had to deploy from the enemy's deployment zone. Well, it had no other function. So you deployed in the enemy enemy zone, and you literally were toast, typically, unless you can get to cover or, yeah. you know, behind a building. You literally were going to get hit with a bunch of stuff. So what they've done is they've allowed you now to be more tactical as you're, you're bringing it in your reserve, right? So uh, say you're playing, you know, Abe Lincoln and his uh, Secret Service posse, you're probably going to have like three undercovers. Abe Lincoln's one of them. Yeah. So you bring them in anywhere at, once you make your reserve check. And, but now there's limited form of protection until you establish them in the game, right? So, you know, definitely more useful against your, your human, uh, you know, forces, obviously against the watchers, uh, not much help. <laughs> <laughs> but being able to deploy anywhere on the board is still huge. Yeah. Especially like what, what Tom just brought up with um, objectives, you know, there may be a, oh, a yeah. unit or a model you want to bring in just because of an objective. Like maybe it's, uh, oh, it's the one where you want to get in your opponent's quadrant, you know, to get some points. All of a sudden, you just oh, yeah. bring them right in there. Yeah, right. you, you bring yeah. you bring them in into cover. Into cover. In the, the in the zone next to the objective marker, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, and that's what. And, and the, having the ability to have multiple undercovers, so you know that that's going to be very useful. Yep, checking for treasure on the other uh, side of the board and your opponent's that's side right. of the board. Yeah, uh, things like that. Yeah, I mean these are things that we've talked about before when you're posse building. Things to think about. Look at the abilities and how you know. Okay what scenario thingamabobber is going to benefit from this ability that here's a perfect example of that right thingamabobber that's all i can think of <laughs> what the heck was that that's a thing <laughs> well all right guys that kind of covers our little bit we want to to do in this episode with the uh, rules update for 1.09. Um, and like Brian said earlier in the segment, we're going to kind of group up the, these new rules a little bit when they kind of go together and theme it a little bit. And we'll keep doing this, you know, in the coming episodes, you know, when going over some of these and just talking about them a little bit. So that'll do it for this segment. So we'll go ahead and move on with the show and uh, maybe go over some news and new releases coming up. Well, all right, guys, that uh, is going to about do it for today's episode. Uh, but before we get out of here, we want to go over a couple news items, some new releases for you guys. And, um, you know, Brian, I think I think we need some kind of news intro or sound effect, like you know, little uh, typewriters or uh, what do they have in the movies? The little dee 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 dee, you know, hot off the presses type thing. <laughs> right. So, I mean, what would be neat is you know the telegraph. Yeah. What sound. If you could find a an audio file of a telegraph. I'll have to scour uh, the internet. I mean, but I guess with the Wild West Exodus, there's there's be like, actually tech sound so I yeah mean, 
It'd be like the Morse code. Theory, we don't really do that. <laughs> right. We can use whatever tech sound we want, you know, the watchers. <laughs> oh, there we go. Be, <laughs> you know what I mean? But so we wanted to go over some of the new releases that we got here. And one of the we we didn't get too many this month because they're kind of slowing down at the end of the year what their releases are. And one of the new ones is a, we got a new posse set, Only God Forgives set, which is Outlaw. And uh, we'll get into it in a second. There's a lot of lot of little things in there that could be more than Outlaw. Um, we also got a Terminator pack, which is the Terminators for the Confederates and then the uh, Union Pacifiers, I believe is what they're called. And they are also releasing a new game. That's a card game. It's Fog and Fiction, Western Front. So it's based in the uh, World War II uh, kind of time period, and it's a card game that they uh, have coming out. Or I think it actually it should be out by now. Yeah, you can order. You can order it from War Cradle now. Okay, so it is out right now, and I know that they're they were going to be demoing it at PAX, and uh, you know, and doing. So this is kind of their their first game that they've released outside of wild west exodus and we we already know that they got more coming uh it's just a matter of time so um which is kind of cool it's exciting they're kind of starting to branch out but so only god forgives brian what do you what do you think about this one here i i think uh this might be an instant buy for me yeah it's it's an another box and this posse box is literally chock full of, I mean, go-to themes that you can add to most of your outlaw posses. Yeah. And some of the, they each have their own little niche. And so it's pretty kind of cool. You can use them as a posse or you can just farm them out and fill the voids that you may have based yeah. on the iconic nature of each of the, one of these, uh, models and so there it's a it's a seven kit so you get seven models so it's great versus the value so because it's a it's a full seven instead of like some of the posse boxes come with um obviously sterns from previous month was more but this this is pretty good value it has one of the longest fluff blurbs <laughs> uh, and i know we could read the whole thing but it, it'll run really long but so the, this posse box, the boss's name is Juliana Starr. So if the cat house isn't the most popular or most patronized establishment in Red Oak, then nobody would dare say it within earshot of Juliana Starr, proprietor and madam extraordinaire. She built the business up from the silver dollar she found at the bottom of the spoon during the last days of the ore war. While the business is now booming, she has to keep tight control of the details for fear it will unravel before she will have to earn her keep once more, as she did back then. So that's just a little kind of little taste from her there's more and so it, it basically she's she's a madame and she basically over the years have built this business other mercenaries basically to be go-to troubleshooters right yeah yeah so it kind of invokes that nature of in the west even the even the madams are like hey we're in need of protection the law ain't going to do it. The union ain't going to do it. And don't want to be beholden to any of the other outlaw bosses. Yeah. So she had to step up and take care of it. 
Yeah, right. So uh, then cool. it goes into describing all these different faces. Oh yeah, really neat. It's it, it's kind of an in-depth narrative reason is is a thing. But so it, it then it goes. She goes in and, te- and it this teases every one of the faces because each one of these faces is a a notoriety of their own, right? Yeah. So they kind of build on the the lore of these individuals because more than likely you're going to be bringing them into your other groups, right? Oh yeah. Uh, there's one her before in a hex legendary that came out a few months ago, uh, Papa Trinity. Yep, that's right. It was mentioned in that uh, as being a religious figure that actually caused the horror that eventually corrupted. That was, um, you know, Lucretia's friend. Yeah, so, Lucretia and Tatuba, <laughs> if I'm saying that right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, Papa Trinity, he's, he's an interesting one. I'm not going to spoil what he actually is. So uh, I'll give you guys the ability to go read his card and find out what he is. But he's he's quite mysterious. Yeah. He's a priest that hangs out at a bar. Uh, but that's not, <laughs> that's just a itch in his lore. Brian, who else in uh, this posse do you like? Oh, okay. So Leroy Sabat is another regular face in inside hanging out at this establishment called the Cat House. And he's known for being a extremely good shot. So he's basically the sniper of this group. So yet again, another good outlaw option for a uh, sniper. He, he is basically like kind of leaning into like a roof, you know, outposts like he's kind of like wedged between some some debris and he's kind of leaning back with his rifle you know hanging across his knee and the when you see the sculpt on here now mind you war has been really good at making all the sculpt the facial sculpts kind of mirror the people they're kind of hinting that they belong to yeah and if you look at leroy's card he is i mean very uh, i mean I, I'm pretty sure this is who it's supposed to be, and it's supposed to be Lee Van Cleet from The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, because that's who it looks like. I yeah, mean, the face sure. on the artwork and the model, I mean, just screams, hey, I'm Lee Van Cleet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can even hear the whistling, you know, in the background when you look at his heart. <laughs> you know? uh, so, I mean, very iconic looking, that, that bird-like nose and you know, BDI, I mean, it just looks, it looks really good. Yeah. So um, that's one of them. And one of the neat ones that I, I is Bud Hutch. So he's kind of a bigger guy. He's wearing armor and he's got a flight backpack. And this is one of the intriguing ones because he's both Union and Confederate. Yeah. And you, everyone's scratching. be both. Um, but his fluff is kind of like, hey, this guy, he you can tell that there his jetpack has the markings filed off because Hutch may have once participated in a union test flight program when they were developing these jetpacks. I mean I mean it's cool, right? The instant lore, he's got a deep background, used to work for the union, joined the Confederate, and, and now he's uh, a, now he's a monk. with a flight pack, you know. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, and you should like him, too, because he likes to hang out with the uh, auto pin. <laughs> <laughs> so the one 
one of the characters in in this posse that I'm kind of excited for. You mentioned the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, we kind of have a nod towards uh, Blondie from that movie. Joey Manco, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, and she's totally yeah. a spitting she's image of Clint Eastwood. You know, the man with no name. She's got the the poncho over her, and and she's got like. In in her model, you can actually kind of see that she's got a little bit of like armor sticking out from underneath that. And I'm already, my head's already going with some ideas of how I can squeeze her, you know, and do some swapping with my current outlaw posse list that I've been running. Yeah, she looks. She's going to be in a lot of outlaw groups. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you haven't checked out her card, guys, it, it is yeah. up online. <laughs> And you can see what some of their special abilities are and their stats. And she's just, she's going to be a powerhouse for a lot of posses. Right. So as a way of nodding into her lore, they kind of use the fistful of dollars. And then they yeah. go on to talk about <laughs> she has a unorthodox sense of justice. She yeah. kind of lends to the former life, which makes sense. She's carrying around two of the magnum piece yeah. yeah. And it will take that, that little brief moment of pause as a solemn reminder of those are the, the <laughs> earth carries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are powerhouses, man. That'll punch right. through so a there's lot. There's two more models. In this right, yeah. So there's two other models, one of which is Sadie Walker, which is previous Lady of the West for the Outlaw. The other model is Ignatius Nero. And Ignatius Nero is kind of, uh, they kind of tend when they're talking about he keeping an eye on Papa Trini because he's, he's kind of like uh, curious about what what he is. Yeah. He's so not, he's not the quite, inquisitive part of this group. He's not quite right. <laughs> Papa Trini, not quite right. That's yeah. right. Come on with that fool. <laughs> But that that kind of is just a brief overview of, of this posse, guys. And uh, check out their cards online. Check out the fluff. There's a lot that goes into their background, which is cool. But we mentioned the other one was the the Terminator pack. It's actually a it's uh, one of those uh, booster packs, like we always talk about, the, you know, to boost out your posses. And it's basically you can they made it where it's the Terminators. For the Confederates, which we haven't had a while since first edition, and um, those models were still with the old, uh, the old mold, so they they were kind of expensive to to pick up. And now they gave gave you this set that's you're getting two for you know a lot cheaper that you can either make you know the Terminator for the Confederates or you know you can make them for the Union now. I think this. A lot of people have been waiting for this one for a while. Right. So it it it's a neat set. It's uh, similar to the other support boxes that they've made, where it, it gives you the ability to create two models. And there's enough parts for you to make two Terminators or two Pacifiers or one of each. Yep. Yeah. And, it, you know, the way they do it is it, there's optional weapons. Right, I so think so. The Terminators yeah. use a specific weapon. Right, the Terminator weapons look like the older. Uh, they look very similar to the 
the weapon, the Gatlin, auto Gatlin. Yeah, they're like handheld uh, Gatling guns, basically. The Wayward 8 model has the, the Wayward 8 uh, Terminator, Jane. Yeah, he that's right. has a different name. His name is Jake. So it, it, it looked like his, but instead of belt-fed from a backpack, they actually have these huge drums. Yeah. And then the pacifiers actually have similar weapons. They're mounted on the arms, and the arms have the bracing, so these guys don't have to have cybernetics to lift these big, giant guns. And they're basically grenade-launching cannons. So yeah. uh, those are the two different weapon types. Uh, there's two different backpacks. So, like, the the Union has a, a very Union-esque backpack with extra grenades, and then the Confederates, Terminators, has a traditional-looking circular backpack, but now it looks like he, you store other, you store the spares inside that backpack. It's still around, but you can see outside the bottom, you can pull two more so they can reload. So it still looks very much like the other Terminators. It's just instead of belt fed from that big giant drum, there's other stored inside. So you pull them out and reload. Uh, if you if you happen to like the logistics of what your models can and can't do, it, it's pretty cool. And then there's a, a four heads. So you get yeah, you, you know you're you're definitely going to be able to go either way with the models. But I, I have a feeling a lot of people are just going to buy multiples. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of these these little support packs where you're gonna booster like whatever this unit is. A, a lot of times you're gonna buy two of them so you can run, you know, possibly four of them. Generally, the units sure. that they are, that's kind of about what you would want to run for them anyway. And then, like you said, there's so many parts in there; it gives you enough variety that you can make them look a little bit different from each other. Right. Someone was thinking of you know whether or not it's worth using magnets and i really you know unless you're gonna have a weird paint scheme on on your union or your uh you're gonna go blue with one and probably yeah. gray with the other yeah so it'll be hard magnet switch those from one faction but you know if you go in with wacky colors on your factions then yeah you can and <laughs> the, the magnets should work fine yeah yeah they're beefy you know, enough that it'll with, work like uh what tom usually suggests and just paint all your guys as Care Bears, it won't matter. <laughs> oh, Tom. <laughs> all right, and then the last one that we mentioned was... The, their, yeah, he's going to hear that. He's going to be mad at us. <laughs> the last uh, release that we mentioned was the card game Fog and Fric- Friction. God, I'm having problems saying that. Fog and Friction card game that... Um, you guys can check out on, I think they had a release of the rules or some gameplay. And I know, actually, uh, Battlehammer did a playthrough of it if you guys wanted to check out how the game works and stuff. They go through it pretty good explaining how it works. And um, you can get a feel for what the game is. And Yeah, there's a couple of videos. If you jump over to the blog, the Warcrayer blog, they, they made the announcement on November 22nd, uh, basically, that the game is out. You can buy it and that they were going to be demoing it at PAX. And they then announced, like, there's a couple of different videos. So we've already yeah. seen the Battlehammer did a video. The uh, uh, I guess uh, they got with another community person who did a, I guess, the first 
review of the game and kind of a, a walkthrough gameplay okay. video. And then a couple of weeks later, uh, so just a few weeks ago, War Cradle released their video. Yeah, that's right. The they released so their own. there's now at least three gameplay videos on how the game works, which is really great in the beginning of a game like that, right? You you don't have to wait for it. There are three out there already. Yeah. So you can check it out before you bite the bullet and order a box. The box comes with everything you need for two players, right? So it's a it's a card game, so you get both sides, axes and allies, uh, you get the things you need to play the game and you can go head to head against your buddy as soon as the box arrives on the doorstep, you know. Yeah, and I think they did tote that this was going to be expandable. So they're looking to release expansions of, um, you know, I think different troops that you can add to the decks in the the base game and kind of customize it a little bit uh, how you want to play. So that's kind of interesting. We'll see what that, that, you know, brings us in the future. Right. So it's Fog and Friction. It's an FF. And then there's the, you know, the whole semicolon at the end, Western Front. So obviously, as things progress and the game picks up popularity, they are already ready releasing other uh, colon name yeah. expansions, right? So I can see Pacific uh, Theater as an expansion. Obviously, you can do uh, Africa War. Or, you know, there, there's a way for this game to literally branch out into different things. I mean, they can do a you know D-Day expansion. They can do you know the winter war you know battle the bulge i mean there's so many different ways they can go with expansions you know check it out uh i know i'll probably end up grabbing it just to you know see what it's like yeah see what's all about (laughs) yeah (laughs) sometimes those sometimes those card games are nice to have you know they're kind of quick setup and you know you can get a game in within a half hour or an hour you know so those are always good to have on and you don't have to worry about setting up yeah (laughs) All right, we have one last thing that we wanted to mention. (laughs) So, all right, we have one last thing we wanted to mention before we get out of here, and it is the new Christmas model. And Brian, you were you were pretty much right on the tee with who you thought it was going to be. And once again, this this Christmas model was determined with their little small campaign, the train heist campaign that they had going on, and it was determined that the outlaws were going to get the next Christmas model. So who who did we get, Brian, that's going to be our next little Christmas model? Right. So as a way of sneaking it out to us over time, what they did was they started releasing their spoiler hits, and over a couple-of-week period, we started seeing different things. Like the first thing we saw was a Santa hat. Really not going to give us much of a clue, right? Then the next thing, it was like, uh, what did we see? We did saw the wreath. Was the it robot. the robot? Yeah, I think it was the yeah, the sack with the robot in it. It was a, yeah, it was a, like a sack with a robot in it. So it was very similar, not to Kyle the red and white. So it was like, okay, not giving us anything there. And then the next one was a wreath, and nothing else. So all you saw was this wreath, and. But it, it to me it looked shield like. So I was already started going, Hey, I need this because of the shield, blah blah. And so I had hinted at that point, I was like, it's probably gonna be Madre Perez because of the shield. I, I was just thinking, Outlaw with the shield, she's pretty much the only one. And then of course everyone when we were discussing it were like, Well, 
could be anything. It could be well, a backpack. It could be on it. Yeah, me, you, and Tom oh, were like, talking about. And well, so I started saying, I was like, what's that? Yeah, me, you, and Tom were talking about when we were brainstorming. We thought maybe Ponce, maybe uh, Tom was thinking Tobin. Um, but you, you're the one that said Madre. Right. He, he thought the read may have been something with Tobin. Yeah. And then, uh, then once they showed the antlers, I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, yeah, it's going to be, they're going to, they're going to full blown, going to do a, uh, reindeer black hoof <laughs> with Madre on it. And That's then they awesome showed too. the chest piece and it had armor. And I was thinking, and that could be armor for a conquistador. So it is definitely going to be one of the two. It's either Ponce or, or Madre. And uh, once we saw the antlers, it was like, yeah, yeah, we know what it's going <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you guys so haven't, I saw the room, yeah. if you guys haven't seen we this model, check it out. Now. They got some painted models online of it. And, um, yeah, order one up. I mean, they do have it online. You can You can get it now, I think, through the end of the year. And they actually brought back their their previous two. Uh, we had what Kyle the red and white was the first one, and then last year we had um, oh I'm I'm blanking. It was for Hex. We had uh, Krampus, yeah. And you can get both of those Krampus guys again Rex. if you yeah if you missed them you can get them again. Right, which is neat. So every year they'll do and they'll you know, unlock the previous holidays. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think some of the, and, uh, the, I cut, haven't ordered one yet. No. Okay. I don't feel so bad. Me neither. <laughs> no, I didn't order one yet. You know, I like not guess right. I, I guess I was just hoping they were going to send me it. Cause I, I guessed right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of hoping I, I, I wake up with it in my stocking, <laughs> you know, my Christmas stocking. Oh, right. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but no, it's really neat. And uh, I know everyone's already, uh, you know, brainstorming how to bring her into a, to a, a group. Yeah. Yeah, because don't their stack cards, well, I, I think her stack card I, is the most recent one I can remember. Doesn't Aren't some of the little special abilities very thematic towards, like, the Christmas model itself? I believe so. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Yeah, I, I can't remember if they, you know, the, the special abilities are basically the same thing, but they may have renamed it a little bit or tweaked, uh, you know, kind of the way it works just to go yeah, thematically. She's a little more expensive because of it. Yeah, the black hoof. Yeah, that's the main reason I want to get it. I mean, the black hoof's antlers are little RJ canisters, <laughs> which is awesome looking. Okay, so she's um, she, that's the same. I don't. She's different. I'm not sure she's different. Okay, it's it's all her her stat card basically the same. Then it's just kind of decorated. For Christmas, yeah, okay. So it's basically the same the only model. Is she has she has a, a tagline saying "festive, unique character." Only one version of this model can be played in a force. A player cannot field any other unit with the name Madre Monica Perez or okay. Madre Navidad. Yeah. So yeah, you can't you can't run both of the basically the same. It's the same person. You know, you can't have a duplicate in there. Yeah. All right. She put a person up. <laughs> it's feeling festive <laughs> well alright Brian I think um, 
Yeah. All right, Brian, I think that's going to about do it for this episode. We can wrap it up and put another one out there for everybody to listen to. So a reminder, you guys, check all this new stuff out. It's pretty cool. We're looking forward to seeing what War Cradle keeps doing in the next coming year. But you can always contact us. You can find us on Facebook at Black Hoof WW Podcast. Go ahead and send us an email with any suggestions or ideas, maybe for the smoke wagon or if you had any questions at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram to see what kind of projects we're up to. Brian's always working on something. <laughs> so he may post on there. And uh, I'm always posting stuff too. So I'm, I'm a little slow on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always working. I'm just a little slow at actually posting it up. So yeah. any encouragement to force me to do so is great. <laughs> <laughs> it's some peer pressure. But listen, guys. That's going to be about it for the show. So when you guys are out there on the on the battlefield, you know, either fielding a big giant spider barreling down on a immovable Ed 209 to <laughs> remember and ride with the sun at your back and always roll those big crits, and we will talk to you guys soon. Make sure you go out there and get those Christmas miles. <laughs> we'll see you guys later. This is Eric saying take it easy. Later, guys. Thanks for stopping by the Black Hoof Saloon, y'all. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Feel free to get a hold of us with comments or questions via the interwebs and shoot us a telegraph at blackhoofsaloon at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Music for the podcast was provided for use by Ross Bugden and can be found at one of his YouTube channels. Ross Bugden Music or Ross Bugden Composer. Until your next visit, ride with the sun at your back and always roll those big crits. It's just the audio. Yeah, the audio keeps breaking up. It's almost like the audio. You want to? I'm dropping. Dial back in. Yeah, let's let's let me try that. Get a new connection. Okay. That's fine. Well, and I had to go to the bathroom again, but I didn't think you wanted me to record it this time. (laughs) It came down, and then I'm waiting for you to read. It hadn't yet. I'm like. Well, maybe his connection was so bad he can't get back on. So I, I was saying the same thing. I was like, "Oh no, the snow took out Eric. I'll have to go to sleep." <laughs> and me and Tom were talking, and the audio is perfect. And we're like, "Okay, it was Eric." Oh, thanks. <laughs> yep. Damn Chicago weather. Yes. <laughs> we ready? We ready? I'm ready. Uh, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs>
<laughs> we need we need you here, Tom, to throw in your two cents. Not just one cent, <laughs> two cents. <laughs> I, I got two pennies. That's what my opinion's worth. <laughs> so why don't we add undercover to this? Okay. Does that undercover do something similar? You're not in a disguise, you just... Uh, I think you have to get within eight inches before you can nominate them as the target of an attack, if I remember right. Wait wait a minute. Did I know something that Brian didn't know? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like that guy in National Treasure, his his little buddy who's like, like, oh, my God, did I know something in history that you didn't know? (laughs) I wouldn't say I didn't know. I just didn't recall. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me let me sit here oh, okay. and bask bask in, in this for a minute. In the war they don't have quick in the dead, so sometimes that can get me in some trouble. Yeah, especially with Marcus because he's so God with his peacemaker and the fact he can shoot into combat. And it's just like. Sometimes there's targets he just can't resist, and then he gets kind of in a bad situation. Then he he can't resist. Yeah, he can't resist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I told Mary, I was Does like, sound we went for 25 minutes with no problems, and then all of a sudden it just started breaking up. Oh, that's what happens when you make crappy pizza. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know what he's going after there. Chicago pizza sucks. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So because that's not altogether true, I had no idea what he meant by that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. It, it is altogether true. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not even that. That's not even actually called pizza. I don't know why they pretend it's pizza. It's a pie. That that's that's like a chicken pot pie made out of tomato sauce. Okay, so so what's funny is even people in New York call their pizzas pizza pie. Yeah, what's your point? <laughs> we don't call say give me a pie, not pizza pie. <laughs> Come on, man, that's not what we call it. We just call it pie. Give me a pie. I, I want a pepperoni pie. Said, you just said Chicago pizza is not pizza; it's pie. But no, no, but it's it's pie. actual pie, and it's like a chicken pot pie with tomato sauce. <laughs> what you're saying is Chicagoans heard you guys talking about pizza pie. They got freaking they got literal. They got literal and made one of the best pizzas ever because they they got confused. No ass pie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the debate over pizza is over. Uh, hey, at least neither one is that frou frou stuff with like leaves and junk on it. <laughs> at least there's no pineapple in it. I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where were we? Juice Gatling gun. <laughs> we're going to get through these weapons sooner or later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to that. Bring it back up. 